You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is not my good friend, Frank Madden. Instead, joining me is my most bitter rival and hated enemy, Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And I will be totally honest with you, I forgot my microphone. So we recorded this live from Fiserv Forum in the media room. So I will warn you, there's going to be some background noise. There's going to be some other stuff going on uh, that might make this not quite as enjoyable for you. Um, but I think overall, uh, Matt and I figured out how to work this without a microphone. And the recording ended up being a lot of fun. You're going to miss out on the intro a little bit where Matt and I took some jabs at each other and joked around about you know whether or not this was a good idea and... Ultimately, I will say it was a great idea. We had a lot of fun, and hopefully you guys end up enjoying it as well. Uh, as, as I mentioned in the first intro that I recorded while Matt was here, you should go out and subscribe to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and The Athletic to catch all of our writing. Uh, Matt does obviously all of his at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I do mine at The Athletic, so go out and subscribe today. Uh, we would both really appreciate it. But with all of that being said... Let's get into the podcast. Like I said, the first couple minutes we were trying to figure out the give and go por portion of this and how we were going to record this because, you know, uh, a media room isn't the most conducive, but ultimately we were able to get it done. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your Thanksgiving and your family. Uh, Frank and I will be back on Friday, excuse me, on Monday, uh, Friday, Saturday, back to back for the Bucks. We'll end up talking about those games and have a podcast ready for you on Monday. So with all of that being said, I really hope Hope you enjoy this, and a big thanks to Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for joining me. Here we go. Kind of looking at this game, Matt, uh, you proposed the idea of writing a Thanksgiving-flavored version of your recap to me, I believe in the second quarter, uh, and you got to do that. I was driving around, I think I had just played some basketball, and I was like, you know what, it's almost Thanksgiving, maybe I can do something fun with the game starting tonight. I don't know if the game will lend itself to that because the Bucks are playing the Blazers. It's, you know, the team with the second best record in the East versus the team with the best record in the West. Uh, could be a very tight game. Might need to kind of play it by the book. Tight deadline, things like that. None of that came to pass. Uh, the Bucks thoroughly dominated. They built a double-digit lead as of the like ninth minute or tenth minute of the second quarter, and it never got below ten again. And it got as high as forty-six. And Thon Maker and Christian Wood were doing things. And I had the whole fourth quarter right, and it was just an enjoyable experience. Uh, kind of the idea we had mentioned was, you know, Al Farouk Aminu did a really nice job against Giannis. He like, he, he played him really well. And I mentioned that to Terry Stotts pregame, and he said, well, yeah, he did. But he also gave up nine dunks to Giannis. And, you know, that's, that's not saying he did a bad job. That's just saying when you play a, a player of that caliber – 
things like that are going to happen. And I think going into it, I was thinking, okay, Aminu gets another chance at Giannis. He really made him struggle last time. You know, maybe we won't see that. And Giannis scores 25 in the first half. And it, it was just one of those things where everything you thought might happen didn't happen. And I think the effects of a, a road back-to-back, you, you could really see it in the Blazers. That's their fifth game in eight days, and it very much looked like their fifth game in eight days. Yeah, I mean, they definitely came in a little, a little tired, a little worn. And even if they weren't, the Bucks made sure that they were behind the eight ball immediately. 6-0 run to start the game, 11-2. And they kept rolling to getting the margin up to like 19 in that first quarter and really never took their, their foot off the gas pedal collectively. I mean, even when they went to that bench unit in the fourth quarter, it went from 30 points to 46. Those guys were hungry. They wanted to play. They've been wanting to play. They've been spending like church league time, you know, playing during practices, uh, scrimmaging against, you know, video coordinators and, and coaches and, and just waiting for their moment. And once they got it, they weren't going to, like, just play out the last 12 minutes and, and kind of just go home. They wanted to do something with that time on the court. Sterling Brown got attacked because, you know, he, he <laughs> loved – Brown gets time. He, he loves rap. Baker was, you know, from everywhere. Um, you know, Delhi was, was doing Delhi stuff. And, you know, more power to those guys. I mean, they, they've been waiting. They, they deserve a shot to do something. I mean, it kind of felt like, you know, at the end of Varsity Blues, classic movie that I think both of us will remember well, where at the end he's like, you know, Tweeter drank beers because, well, Tweeter drank beers, and Billy Bob cried because, well, Billy Bob cried. That's pretty much what it was. Deli was throwing laughs because, well, Deli throws laughs. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling Brown gets technicals because, well, Sterling Brown gets technicals. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. Uh, and you look at that fourth quarter, 34 to 21, and the big three for the Bucks didn't play a minute in the in the fourth quarter. Giannis, Chris, Eric all set out the entirety of the fourth quarter, and they managed to put a plus 13 quarter on the Blazers and do it entirely with bench guys. And it was as I think as complete of a victory as you could have, and especially in a night where. You know, you're about to have Thanksgiving. You know, there's two more games in this homestand that's a back-to-back. Like, I think there was enough reasons where you could have found a way to not play hard. And yet they did. And, and they came out. And the biggest thing was, for once, I'm not recording a podcast talking about, well, you know, they had a slow start. And after the game, we asked about the slow start, and no one seemed to have an answer. Well, I, I didn't have to ask about that today because they didn't have a slow start. They came out of the, the gates just killing it. Uh, I think 22 to 7 at one point, 18 to 7 I know for sure at the time out. Yeah, 22 to 7. So this is this is a team that, you know, just kind of took care of business tonight and I got to say a little bit surprising because they've struggled to do that. One of the best things that happened to the Bucks with this game was that they got spanked in Portland. Like they they lost by 15 is their worst loss of the season. Immediately afterwards, they were like, "Hey, we lost that one game and like we're really frustrated about it. We didn't play well. We didn't like that in any way. And they um, took it to heart, and then they, they had that big win over the Warriors. Well, now they come back. They're playing the, the Blazers again. They still have that, that taste in their mouth from that last game, and they did not want that at all. They, they wanted no part of that. And knowing that the Blazers were in their fifth game in eight days and on a back-to-back and at the end of a long trip, that they just wanted to take it to them and end it early and – all of that came to pass. I thought one thing that was kind of surprising was, you know, we talked to Mike Boonholzer after the game, like we always do. And, you know, I kind of I mentioned that idea to him that, you know, when you're thinking through this game, 
do you put a special emphasis on, hey guys, like, I know we've been struggling with it, but we really need to come out and win this first quarter because this team is at the end of this road trip. They don't want to be here anymore. Like, you can kind of put them away early. And Bud was like, no, not really. That That's not something that we talked about, or certainly not the coaches. And then when we asked Giannis and the players, <laughs> Giannis was like, uh, yeah, we definitely talked about that because that was something that we wanted to do. And I guess moving, I guess, away from just the idea that the Bucks not – just dominated this game. Uh, also joining us right now, Kane Pittman from the Pick and Roll, your Australian Bucks friend. Uh, he will circle around to the front, the front of the computer at some point and maybe talk, or maybe he'll just tweet out pictures of us. Either way, it doesn't matter. But he's here. Hi, Kane. Great to see you. Uh, <laughs> so we'll keep it rolling. Uh, I think this is something I believe both you and I have written about, talked about, and thought about. But I keep recording podcasts and feeling... Uh, I, f- I feel obligated, no matter what his stats are, to talk about Eric Bledsoe. Because game after game, he just finds a way to make winning plays. And a lot of the time, that's been, okay, in the fourth quarter, Bledsoe went off. Bledsoe had a couple of assists. Bledsoe made some plays. Whatever it may be. But tonight, I just thought exact same thing as we saw in Portland. Damian Lillard was never comfortable. Not, not at any point in the night. And Bud mentioned postgame that... You know, there's this this idea that the Blazers are going to hit you with a bunch of pick and rolls, but also what they do is they kill you on off-ball action. They're going to send you through screens and screens and screens, and then you're going to get a pick and roll. And i got to say, I just kind of marveled in the first quarter watching Eric Bledsoe somehow navigate those screens, somehow get through them, get around them, avoid them, whatever it may be. He would get through all of them and then somehow be on the top side of a pick and roll and Damian Lillard wouldn't have a pull-up. He, he wouldn't have a clear driving lane. He, he wouldn't have anything because Eric Bledsoe had done just such a great job on I don't know how many points Dame scored against Bledsoe, but it could not have been that many. I mean, he had 22 points, sure. 11 of those points came at the free throw line. Bled only had two fouls, so he, he can't account for many of those. And Dame was 5 of 12 from the field. So, you know, Bledsoe was just constantly getting over the screens. And I, I know that's something that Eric and I have talked about in the past, just Malcolm Brogdon, especially in that last Portland game, going under screens against McCollum. Um, he did that a little bit in the first quarter, but then consistently afterwards he was always going over had you know some nice assist uh, situations from guys like Ursan Ilyasova, who you know while he was getting over, Ursan would slide over and, and help, and just like generally speaking, like really good defense from the Bucks overall. But yeah, Bledsoe has been incredible. Um, I, I feel like maybe incredible is too big, too strong of a word, but at least terrific. Like in general, on both ends of the court uh, throughout the season, I know he's somebody who over the summer and going back to last season, people had a lot of misgivings about, and rightfully so. Uh, and wondered how he would fit into Mike Budenholzer's system. And every time we talk to him, it seems like, you know, he just loves it. You know, he, he says, oh, yeah, it's, just, it's Bud. Bud's great. Like, you know, he he talks about how Bud instills players, especially him, you know, with confidence, saying, hey, here's the system. Here's what we want you to do. And within that structure, these are the things you need to do. But outside of that, like, freelance. Do what, do what makes you good. You know, get into that situation where you can read the offense and jump into a passing lane, or you can, you know, kind of figure out how a guy likes to shoot and block his shot, you know, and just kind of, you know, play to your strengths. And and Bled, I think, just feels a lot of freedom uh, in in the defensive and offensive scheme. 
and it's really fitting his game well. And yes, it's also a contract year, but like there are plenty of guys who don't play well in contract years, who don't adjust well to new systems, um, who just aren't ready for the the different things that they face uh, in that year. And I think Eric Bledsoe's answered the call uh, very well so far. I think one thing I find interesting is that I don't know if this is really a thing, but you know, I, I think Mike Boonholzer kind of figures out guys and figures out exactly how to get the most out of them. And I think he's done that with Eric Bledsoe without actually figuring Eric Bledsoe out, if that makes any sense. Because when we talk to him about like, oh, you know, what have you been able to do with Bledsoe on defense? You know, what have you found is going to be really successful for him? He's just like, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Like there's – I mean there's some stuff that he just does. Like he, he just does stuff and I, I don't really know how to explain it. Like it's certainly not something I've ever taught and he just does it. And I, I think that to me has kind of been one, one of the fun things of this season is that, you know, with Bud everything seems so – so regimental like it's so it just everything is going to tick a certain way and he's he understands that it's all going to work together in a certain way and then Bledsoe's kind of this great variable that I don't know exactly how this is going to work but I have enough trust in in Bled that I'm going to let him go out there I'm going to let him do what he wants to not wants to do but I'm going to let him kind of be himself and hopefully like we can kind of color inside the lines of what we're trying to do it may not be perfect and he, he might go outside the lines sometimes but for the most part he's going to color inside those lines and it's going to be good for our team quote from Bud the other night where he's like yeah oh yeah he was some of those things that he does like we're not telling him to do but I like them because they're good. <laughs> like you know, and I hope he does more. I, and and granted, it wasn't exactly that, but it was very close. Um, and, and just you know, when you have a player who just like I said has that freedom to just be himself and and do that within a team situation, I, I think it just just builds confidence. And Bud, yes, he has a system. Yes, he has a way of going about things, and he wants to be efficient. But he also wants his guys to be confident and comfortable in their skin and just be able to do what they do to the best of their ability on a consistent basis. Because if you have everyone doing that, it's generally going to translate well. You know, it may not be exactly how you drew it up, but if those guys are playing that way, you're you're going to get wins. You're going to get you know a happy locker room and guys who are going to work together because they're all just you know really fitting well and feeling good about themselves. Well, speaking of a happy locker room, let's talk about the happiest quote from a locker room I think I've po- probably ever seen from Giannis. Uh, because tonight, one, I don't even know. I mean, I understand that there's a greater lexicon of pop culture references that you're probably just going to get. But I, I, he certainly wasn't in the U.S. when Be Like Mike commercials were coming out. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. Sure. So totally fair. But I ask him because Christian Wood had a really nice night tonight, 11 points in about 11 minutes, five rebounds, two assists, and he has a dunk and a mean mug. And you you could see him after the mean mug give Giannis a look on the sideline and be like, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'm doing right now. Like, look at me. And Giannis just drops. I ask him to grade Christian Wood's mean mug, and he says, okay, well, now that we have a chance to talk about Christian, let's talk about Christian. Christian wants to be like me. You know how some people say they want to be like Mike. 
Christian wants to be like Giannis. And in the third person. In the third person, that is not me correcting his grammar to make it make more sense. He says, Christian wants to be like Giannis. And I got to say, I don't think he's that far off. I think it makes a lot of sense. Christian Wood, uh, the literally Christian Wood's last tweet, if, if you go to his Twitter page right now, is a quote tweet of the Bucks tweet of him during draft time. He was at a draft workout. He was asked about NBA comparables, who he thought he could be like. And he said, you know what? I kind of want to be like Giannis when I get in the league. Like that That is a guy that I want to play like. And he quoted it and said, LOL, this was 2015. And well, now it's 2018. They're on the same team. And Giannis dropped a, he wants to be like Giannis. Yeah. I mean, those two guys have had kind of an interesting relationship ever since he joined the Bucks summer league team, you know, cause Giannis was already like on his side and, you know, Christian came out like once he joined the team officially, you know, he came out and they would play one-on-one like a bunch. I mean, I, I know Eric and I've seen it in multiple places. I'm trying to remember what city it was where we saw them playing one-on-one uh, earlier this season. It was warm. It was nice. It was a, like a high school gym. Uh, this, this describes a lot of places. I, I, I can see it, uh, but, but we've, we've written it, we've written about it. Just go look back in our archives, you know, but Christian Wood, he goes against Giannis a bunch in practice, not just as part of the practice structure and probably less now that the season's really started to kick into high gear. Uh, you're not doing as much actual, you know, regular practice type stuff. Um, you know, but he's, he's done a lot of one-on-one and, and kind of some, uh, pre-practice, post-practice situations, and it's not really often that guys are going to want to go at Giannis one-on-one, uh, not just in practice, but in game situations too. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, but Christian's really kind of gone into that, you know, with both feet and said, hey, I want to challenge myself. I want to learn. I want to get better. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to get dunked on. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, struggle at times. But like, you got to imagine that just getting any buckets on Giannis in one-on-one has got to like build your confidence immensely. Like I would assume. And, and so you look at the, just their their physical makeup and kind of their skill sets. And obviously Giannis is way beyond what Christian Wood is. But you can see that how Christian Wood could have the makings of somebody who could be Giannis light. Uh, you know, obviously that is that is way beyond now. I'm I'm not saying that he should be playing more or playing at all. <laughs> I, I'm not in, in, implying anything here other than saying that like he has some physical tools and some basketball skills that are intriguing and and could be, you know, fun to watch down the road. They're definitely interesting to watch in the fourth quarter tonight. I think what's interesting is that we've seen Giannis form, I think, two really meaningful connections with the two guys that have ever been a part of the organization that have gone at him. And, and again, you can say whether or not Thon Maker actually went at him, but, you know, that was a storyline. Last summer in Las Vegas, he left Vegas early to come back so he could go one-on-one uh, with Giannis and kind of have some of those workouts. And... Uh, I just think it's interesting that, you know, when you think about the the times that we've really seen Giannis connect with someone, it's someone else that has gone at him. And I think he's in some ways forming that same relationship with Christian Wood. He did it with Thon. And, you know, it's just you don't really see it with anyone else. Like he has friends on the team. He's great friends with MCW. Like he's good friends with Delhi. Like he's friends with all these guys. But like unless I feel like in some ways, unless you go at him, like He's not going to be like, okay, this is the guy I really trust and I really want to be around. And I just think it's been interesting to see Christian Wood become one of those guys for him. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I, I would add Chris Middleton to the list of guys who'll go at him. Uh, you know, there have definitely been been one-on-one situations um, that I've seen where Chris has even gotten the best of Giannis, and, and a lot of it has to do with one-on-one drills where they're going at each other, but the focus is shooting. So you can understand why Chris would get the better of that situation. Uh, it's not just Giannis just driving at him and, and going to the rim. Uh, everyone in that situation, and, and T.J. Wilson in the, the practice that I saw was also in that mix, um, third-wheeling a little bit. Um, but, you know, Chris is somebody who, who has Giannis' respect because they'll, they'll go at each other and they can they can give each other good competition. And, and Giannis hates to lose and... You know, Chris kind of rubs that in. Um, you know, so there's a healthy respect there. Um, but, yeah, just with Thon, like, there's not too many guys who are Giannis's size. And, and not that Thon is physically built like Giannis, but he is of the same height and has athleticism beyond what you would expect for someone at that height. So there's a certain matchup there uh, that I think Giannis is kind of, like, you know, interested in and intrigued by. Like, hey, there's, there's a guy who – can kind of like physically match up to kind of where I am. I can see myself in that player and we can also go at each other and work hard. And I think going beyond that, like everyone talks about Thon as being a really hard worker, somebody who's always in the gym, you know, people around the organization have joked that like he really needs to get a life <laughs> at, at, at times. I know there's one summer where, where people were joking, saying that jokingly to me, um, you know, which that's the kind of thing you want people to say about you if you were in the NBA, that you're busting your butt, that you're in the gym all the time, and you want to get better. And so Giannis sees that, and you know, being the uh, insatiable worker that he is, you know, he is going to gravitate towards that person and show them respect because he sees the grind and he respects it. I tend to go with Kobe-level lunatic for what Giannis is because I feel like he is just a, a total lunatic when it comes to working in the gym. But um, a couple other things from tonight. Chris Middleton, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 7-12 shooting, 2-5 of five from the 3-point line, 5-5 five five from the free throw line. Um, we are just now mentioning it 21 minutes in because it was the quietest 21 points you've ever seen. But that's okay. We're going to keep it moving. Eric Bledsoe, as I already mentioned, he had 16 points, uh, six rebounds, and five assists to go with locking up Dame early in that game. And you just mentioned Thon. We have Kane Pittman here. So why would I not ask about Thon and Delhi? Thon has a huge night, 11 points, uh, plus 12, uh, I think almost entirely in the fourth quarter. Um, he got eight minutes outside of it because he was in the regular rotation, but uh, generally positive effect tonight. Three of seven from the three-point line, eight rebounds for Thon. I almost think that's got to be close to a career high for Thon. Um, so I'm going to toss it over to Kane. Kane can give you the Aussie update. I feel like uh, Delhi had a lot of alley-oops tonight. Um, I don't know if they were all necessarily successful, but that... Yes, or necessary. Good point, Matt. Um, but let's toss it over to Kane. Kane, thank you for joining us on Lockdown Bucks, and thank you for talking. Thanks, Eric. Uh, first of all, the real reason I came out here, Eric said you were going to record, and he said I can stop by if I want, and I just really wanted some visual confirmation of these two uh, sitting next to each other. I think if I think most people followed the, the Twitter. I call it a Twitter storm the other day, but... I'm telling you, these two are getting along. There's a lot of smiling, laughing. I think I think it's going well. Um, so that's the first update. And Thon, I caught up with him after the game, and you said that Daly had a few um, alley-oop attempts. I asked him about that transition play where 
I just asked whether that could have been an intentional miss from Dali on the layup. It was a Dali oop. <laughs> that missed layup was a Dali oop, 100%. Well, Fon said, Fon said he hopes it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and then he also followed that up by saying that he wanted it off the backboard, but then he quickly, quickly stopped and said, Coach probably wouldn't want that, but if it was up to me, it would have been off the backboard. <laughs> So that was, that was his biggest takeaway. And the second thing was I, I asked him about the quick start and his response was, well, it actually had a bit to do with my playlist. He goes, coach sat me down before the game and he said, uh, you know, you really need to pump the guys up with your playlist tonight. So he, he said that that probably had a little bit to do with it. That's a lot to take in. Um, I was not ready for Thon's playlist to be the reason why uh, the Bucks came out of the gate strong tonight, but that is great information, so thank you for the Aussie update. And for all you listeners, go on to Twitter and give us your best guesses for what was on Thon's playlist. Uh, I would love your guesses. Um, just I, I just want to know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're going to come up with, but I, I'm sure it will be great. Gotta say, I'm disappointed Matt's a better podcast host than I am. So that's great. Um, you've now seen why I don't have Matt on the podcast, because he's just going to come out here and show me up. But that's okay. Um, I think that's about all from this game. Uh, like I said, 143-100 win. Um, so now I say, let's get into our beef, Matt. Um, what's the thing you hate about me most? Where do I start? Uh, I'm not really sure. It, it's uh, It's got to be all your all your NBA roadies tweets. So like, I act like you've been there before, Eric. Like, I mean, it, sure, it's your first year on the beat, but like, 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 come on. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just that I'm just uh, let down by the fact that both of us love playing pickup hoops and we've never played with or against each other. And as I said on Twitter, Twitter the other day, that's that's a travesty. Um, I I wish that we could figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, in a five-on-five, three-on-three, one-on-one, name a number, and, and I would play that game. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> we could be together on, on separate teams. I don't care. It's just I like I like hooping. I think that's fair. I, I think we can find a way to remedy that. Um, I guess we got about like three or four minutes here before we're at like the half-hour mark. So uh, just because this is your first time on, um, I'm I don't know if people like know your story, and we're we're not going to go into like Matt Velasquez's life story because I'm not going to do like an hour we, on we that. Don't have time for that. <laughs> it one thing though I will say about Matt, every time I think I've heard every story that he has pregame, he surprised me with a new one. So the Matt Velasquez life story is pretty interesting. Who wants to be a millionaire? That's a good one. Um, so make sure you get that out of Matt at some point, whether that's at an AMA, whether that's on Twitter, whatever it may be, get that from Matt. Um, okay, Matt. Well, hold on. I, I just want to tell you all, I'm not a millionaire. So, so the end of that story isn't as exciting, exciting as you think. Just, just letting you know. Which is fair. Um, it's still a good story, but um, Matt, so you're from Connecticut originally, I think. Mm-hmm. You, you spend time in Ohio. You spend time in Indianapolis. Um, I'm trying to think where else you spend time. Uh, oh, yeah, New York for MLB.com. Uh, tell me how you got to where you are, and that'll be like the only thing I ask you about your life, and then we can be done with it. Yeah, so uh, this could be a really long story or a really short one. Um, I, I, I'm going to err on the side of shorter. Um, in high school, knew I wanted to be a sports writer. Grew up, like, over the hill from ESPN in Connecticut. 
thought those guys were super cool, and I was like, all right, well, I'm probably not going to be on screen. It's not real, that's not really what I do. I would love that. Like, I used to love watching, like, Stuart Scott and, and Dan Patrick and all those guys. Oh, it was great. I, I feel like I was more of, like, a Kenny Maine and into, like, weird stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, I was like, ah, I think writing will be better for me. I'm, I'm kind of smart. I, I know how to write words. Um, you know, let's let, – let, yeah, sometimes. So I, I figured that's what I would do, and I kind of invested myself in my, my school newspaper, and then I went to college and um, kind of treated the school newspaper there at, as a, a kind of a second major. Uh, and then I kind of – I, I did go to Columbia. That's true, Eric. Uh, Columbia is a fine institution. Uh, not great at sports, but uh, baseball is pretty good. Fencing's pretty good. I, I hear our squash team is great. Um, basketball and football, not so much, but I would love if either one of them was was good. That would be, that'd be fun. Um, yeah, so then after that, uh, kind of mixing in all that, I had a, a long-distance relationship. My wife and I, we met in high school, kept the whole thing going during college. Then we are like, hey, like, we should probably be together since she was in Ohio. So I went out to Ohio, worked for the Dayton Daily News, um, realized that small-town newspapers were not a good choice for a career because, um, like, getting on a good beat was, like, covering the University of Dayton, uh, go Flyers. Uh, yeah, they are, they're, they're a good, good school, good team. Uh, but that's like the, the premier beat. Rudy Flyer. That, that's the name of my dog. Cause my wife went to UD and she wanted to name our dog Rudy, uh, after Rudy Flyer. So, uh, now you know that too. Um, so, uh, at that point I, uh, I said, all right, I need to do something, something different. So I enrolled in, uh, what is what was it called then the National Sports Journalism Center at IUPUI it was an Indiana Indiana program based at IUPUI in Indianapolis. Since then, there's been some weird bureaucratic stuff that's happened there. They've changed names. Uh, it's still from Indiana. Uh, I, I still have the experiences that I got there. Uh, you know, uh, it's still I think it's now called the Capital Sports Journalism Center. At, but anyway, it's a great program. You should check it out if you're an aspiring sports writer. Um, tell them I sent you, please. Um, and, and so I went. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, you got to try, right? Uh, so, you know, I did that for a year, uh, kind of worked uh, worked a lot that year. My wife was living in Cincinnati. I lived in Indianapolis. I drive two hours on Monday, uh, live in an apartment with three random dudes I'd never met before uh, for the rest of the week, and then go back home on the weekends. Uh, I interned for the Indiana Pacers, uh, and that was a great time because it was the 2012-2013 season when they just came out of nowhere to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Paul George, uh, David West, uh, you know George Hill, Tyler Hansbro, uh, Miles Plumley, former Buck, Miles Plumley, Gerald Green, just just a lot going on in that locker room. Uh, but it, it was a, it was a good team, fun time, uh, hanging out uh, in that locker room, seeing a lot of their games. Um, also interned for the NCAA, uh, covered the Notre Dame Alabama BCS championship game that year. Uh, not as fun as you would think. Uh, mostly because Alabama absolutely de- destroyed Notre Dame, but it was a great experience. I got to go to Miami in, in January, so that's a great time. I still have the the, the garment bag they gave us oh, a- as the media there. gift, um, and that whole Denver thing's a whole other story, um, you know. So I did that, and I I did fairly well in grad school, and was like, okay, well, I uh, should probably get a job, and. I, I knew my wife and I wanted to be near Chicago, but somewhere in Chicago, Milwaukee, whatever, because she has family here. So I basically blind emailed a whole bunch of uh, sports people in Milwaukee and Chicago and 
Uh, lucky for me, uh, you know, the sports editor at the Journal Sentinel, Mike uh, Mike Davis, he got back to me and was interested and didn't have a job for me. But then one opened up and and here we go. I, I got to the Journal Sentinel. I had helped covering the Badgers, helped covering the Bucks, covered Marquette for a couple of years. Really just did whatever they asked me to do. Um, kept my foot in the door, stayed on my grind, and eventually the illustrious Charles Gardner decided to retire uh, and and seed the Bucks beat to to someone else. And, and I was there and I had some experience and, and they gave me the keys to the car. So now we're recording Locked on Bucks and, uh, and having a good time here at Pfizer Forum. All right. We'll have more of the Matt Velasquez story the next time Matt joins us on Locked on Bucks. But no, I do appreciate it because I think it is important. Like I, our listeners have heard me tell my life story about, you know, kind of how I grew up in Wisconsin, how I did my undergrad in St. Louis, how I did grad school at K-State. Like, they've all heard that story before, so I always think it's nice that, you know, they read all of your stuff, they see all of your tweets, they now hear your voice on Lockdown Bucks. Like, they should also kind of know what you're about. So I'm happy we got a chance to do that. But with that being said, we're going to wrap it up. It is Thanksgiving Eve, if that is a thing, um, but we are here at Pfizer Forum at 11 p.m., so we should leave because you have a family and I have some beer to drink, um, so... I don't have beer to drink. <laughs> that, that's just that's just unfair. And also, like, while I'm here, just uh, I want to say thanks to Eric and, and Frank, by extension, for uh, for having me. I'm hoping that maybe in the future Eric, we can do a trade and Eric can come on to the Journal Sentinel Bucks podcast with myself and J.R. Radcliffe. Uh, I think everyone who's listening to this is for that idea. So if Eric doesn't come on, it's obviously that he just doesn't care about you or <laughs> or this podcast. And really just it is, it's kind of a slap in your face. So he'll be on the Journal Sentinel Bucks podcast at some point. We're going to make it work. And uh, it'll be a fun trade. I guess Matt's just going to throw stuff like that on me, but that's okay. I'll do it someday, whatever. Um, we'll figure it out. Maybe it'll be a year from now because it took me a year to get Matt on this podcast, but that's okay. Uh, that is going to be it for Lockdown Bucks for tonight. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. I know uh, Matt and I had a little fun on Twitter pretending to hate each other and now pretending to like each other on this podcast, um, but that'll be fun. I look forward to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel podcast with him and J.R. Ratcliffe. We'll do that coming up in, I don't know, sometime in the next couple months. So with all that being said, Bucks win 143-100. Giannis went out triple-double hunting. We didn't really talk about that, but it was very clear that he was doing it. Frank and I might end up talking about that uh, over the weekend, or maybe we'll forget about it by then because the Bucks have two more games, Suns, Spurs, back-to-back on the weekend. So Frank and I will wrap that up and have that for you for our Monday podcast. It is Thanksgiving. I hope you are enjoying this, and I hope you are overeating today because I know that I will be. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to Matt Velasquez for joining me. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you on Monday.